Okay, so welcome to the Awakening Podcast and today's episode we have Jean who is a wonderful father of two and a mental health advocate and has an amazing story to share around depression with us today. So thank you for joining us, Jean. Thank you so much for the invite. No worries. So I usually love to start my uh, episode with gratitude. So what is a gratitude of yours today? Um, my gratitude of mine, I mean, specifically if we're talking around depression is, you know, being able to self, I mean, we spoke about this before, having the foresight and gratitude to actually, you know, love and care for myself today. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. So uh, I would love for you to share, you know, what your background is before we kind of get into some of the uh, heavier questions, I guess. Mm. Um, what's your background, where you're at today and, you know, what's led you to what you're doing now? Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> uh, Tash and I actually met when I was at Emirates when we were both there, weren't we? Yeah, um, working over there for seven years, and then came back. Um, and that's probably you know when I came back in early 2014 of where my, I guess when I first started depression and realizing my depression and anxiety was becoming an issue. But mm-hmm. like so many, I, I just pushed it aside uh, and pushed it down. Um, I actually had quite a bad interaction with some friends around trying to, you know, come forward on it. So I decided to push that further and further back. Um, Launched myself like so many do into work. Uh, I was a senior account manager for Allianz for many years, um, flying around the country and really focusing on my career and not so much me, Um, like so many of us do. And it was so easy for me to focus on the money and everything else and telling myself that I was okay with that. Mm. Um, that brought me through to 2018 when we had our, my wife and I had our first child, at which point I became a full-time father uh, at home, stay-at-home dad, uh, because my wife's a GP uh, and she was traveling a lot. So we would, I would travel with her. And that's when I, you know, issues for me really started to come up with no work as such. And I know that so many stay-at-home parents suffer this, where you feel like there's no drive. Like every day you're, you seem to be getting up and, yes, you're caring for this little human, but you're not contributing in the way you're used to and you're not really moving forward, I guess, in the eyes of society. You know, you're told to go out and earn money and all this sort of thing. Mm. Um, and that's where issues really started to come up with me. Um, and then once I started, once I could go back to work, I really struggled um, to find work again, simply because the market was so hard, that became really difficult as well. Um, and that brought me forward to 2018, where um, we'll talk about this more later, where my, my mental health really took a dive um, yeah. and I hit my worst time ever. Mm. Once that happened, Um, I would love to say I turned around and became all well again. Um, I did not. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2019, I decided to finally do a lot of friends of mine and my wife and push me to do and start my own business, which is in the entertainment industry, which I couldn't have picked the worst time at the end of 2019 when COVID then hit (laughs) and hit me even worse. Mm. Um, Once again, my mental health was staggering at best at that point. Um, But from there, uh, I hit probably my all-time low uh, once again, and I decided to really make some changes. Um, and that was work is no longer a massive priority. Um, I have never been happier with work, and I earn about three zeros less than I ever have, and mm. the best thing ever for me. Mm. Um, I uh, threw myself completely into making myself better, essentially. Um, and I've never looked back, and now I really want to try and – you know, get my story out there because it's so many men's stories in this country um, mm-hmm. and around the world um, and actually try and give that voice um, to someone that has gotten to the point where they made an attempt on their own life and have come back and now to say, hey, you know, this is, this is not okay that we're going through this and so many men are taking their own lives yeah. uh, and moving forward. And so I came out with my story, my complete unedited story recently, um, and it's led me to a few opportunities like this. So I thought that um, I may as well try and make the most of it. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for wanting to come on and share everything about your story because, you know, I've noticed during this COVID time 
uh, how it's really affecting depression is affecting so many Australians. I'll only speak for Australians Mm. now, but of course it's going to be all around the world, but I've just watched, you know, what Melbourne have been going through and it's just really sad, but then trying to, I've always tried to understand depression more and uh, to really be able to help people around me, even how to, um, be there for them or deal with it or understand their behaviour changes. And I think it's brave of you to come on and share everything about it because I imagine it's very vulnerable to share that. But I really appreciate you uh, being really open and honest um, because I know this will help some people for sure. So thank you. You're welcome. I hope so. And, and as you're saying about, you know, what Melbourne going through, I actually had a, one of my best friends reach out to me not long ago and he called me and I could tell there was something wrong. And I was like, what's up, what's up? And kept probing. And eventually he said to me, what does depression feel like? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? Are you okay? And he goes, oh, I've never had it before, but he lives in Melbourne. Um, And he actually had quite a bit of guilt because his line of work didn't stop him going to work at all. Um, He worked all the way through the lockdown. So he was able to leave the house, essentially go to work every day um, Mm. and night. But his partner was stuck at home the whole time. And yeah. he actually had sort of, a, I, I guess, a, a, a guilt depression and, and everything else where he felt so bad for her that he was actually spiralling because of what she was going through. Mm. And it made me realise that there's so many, um, I, I guess, it's such a spectrum for what you know depression is. There's everything from my side of having diagnosed depression. You have mm-hmm. stuff above me, which is obviously bipolar and severe, um, severe like suicidal thoughts. But then you have almost situational as well, where people are stuck in these situations, like in uh, Melbourne, where they're there for was it two years of lockdown? Mm, yeah, crazy. Of course, they're going to see depression. Of course, if they don't know what it is, yeah. and they don't know how to look at themselves like I do now, and so many go, oh wow, that's that's a trigger or that's what I should be watching out for. I should be doing X, Y, and Z instead of sitting at home. Yes. You know, I've got a really good friend of mine that's in mental health and he said that, you know, the next pandemic is going to be the mental health one and they're they're expecting to last five years. Yep. Yep, for sure. And, you know, you're just, you're watching your fellow Australians just go downhill, like with the lockdowns and loss of income and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's really important to share this message and it can all help. Um, I've been offering free sessions, just really an ear to hear someone mm, that's yeah. struggling in Melbourne that has no income and it's just, yeah, yeah it's it's heartbreaking. But, yeah, I appreciate your time and your honesty. I know it's going to help someone and even if it just helps them feel like they're not alone. Um, so, yeah, thank you again. You're welcome. So, uh, and, um, yep. Go ahead. No. Um, no, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I think just, just finally on that, you know, anyone that is listening, you know, so many people and even my closest friends will often think that, oh, someone else will do something or someone else will reach out to that person. Mm. You know, don't think that way. Send them a text, send them a message, give them a call. Odds on, you know, they're, they're probably going to say they're fine. But yep. the fact is that you've checked in with them and you have no idea what the power of seeing a text of someone say, are you doing okay? I love you. Mm. You know, for me in particular, like seeing that when I was in such dark times would really pull you out. Mm. 99% of the time I wouldn't write back, but knowing that person is thinking that can make the world of difference to someone. That's awesome. And I do want to talk about that later yeah. um, about responding and you know behavioral changes and understanding what that looks like from someone that doesn't know um but you know I've always wanted to have someone to talk to someone and share this message with a lot of people from someone that's actually been through it yeah um so yeah thanks again but when so when was your moment of really knowing or being diagnosed that something was not quite okay yeah, so I guess my first moment was um, would have been like in, during 2014. Yep. Um, I'd had down moments before and things like that, as we all do. Mm-hmm. You know, but I often would, you, you look forward to, not look forward, you look for other things in your life to blame them on. I had a bad day at work last week. I drank too much last night. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, you always find something to connect it with to say that's the issue. 
only in sort of 2014 when I was having continually bad days. But it's more than just a feeling of, you know, some people think depression and they think, oh, well, I, you know, they must be sitting at home crying. But it's more than that. It, it's, it's a loss of will to go out and do anything, to whether it be socialize or get up and go to the gym. For me, I had a big loss in libido as well, which is a really key sign in men uh, and mm. women, actually. Um, you know, if, you're, if you find you're losing that with your partner or, or just in general, that, that's a really, really um, you know, big sign that there could be something wrong. Um, but it, it's also a loss of... Um, I guess motivation and drive as well, and that's when I really started noticing. And it was actually my now, my now wife and girlfriend that said to me, "You know, we should really get this looked at." And I brushed it off for such a long time, and then eventually, when I'm not going to say I was at the point at that point of wanting to take my own life, but I definitely had my my feelings of worthlessness were getting more and more. Mm-hmm. I was at the point where I, I literally thought my life was worth nothing. Um, I literally thought that every, every, it wouldn't have been like a confrontation, but everything that was being said to me was an attack on me and therefore no one loved me sort of thing. Mm. And it's so hard to describe to people, especially now who are listening, who might not have a clue uh, or might not have ever, ever been through a bad time. And there are plenty of people out there like that. But all I can say is think about the time when you've been in a confrontation, whether it be at work or in your personal life, and you know you've really stuffed up. You know, yeah. you've done something wrong, but you're facing up to it all, or it's been brought to your attention straight away. And that sinking feeling of, oh, damn, you know, I've done something wrong. Now, the normal brain or the normal person would then go, okay, well, I've taken that on board and now we're moving on. Or there might be a couple of day lull on that, but they're going to move on. Mm-hmm. But if someone's got depression or anxiety, that builds through that anxiety, builds that depression. They think that, you know, or in my mind, you know, I think that I, I'm worthless. I've stuffed up completely. That person hates me. And then that just spirals further and further. Mm. And that's where I was getting to in that sort of 2014. And that's when I first went into counselling. Um, but my biggest problem, like so many others, were I'd go on a counselling, I'd do it for a few months, I'd start to get better, and then I'd stop going. Mm. Mm. So yeah. that was sort of back in 2014 and then, you know, for me, I, I got worse, as many men do in that age. You know, when they get to that mid-20s, um, early 30s is a key point, and I, I guess a, a turning point for a lot of men in their mental health. Yeah, wow. And so um, was it kind of an up-and-down journey for you uh, until you got to your lowest point? Or Absolutely. To say it was a roller coaster would be, you know, would be the world's biggest understatement. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just so lucky to have such supportive friends and, fa- and, and partner and everything else that uh, I was able to get through that. But, yeah, it was a roller coaster of counselling, not, not, not counselling and taking a dive. Then it was, um, you know, going into therapy again and then mm. having those issues brought to light which you try and um, overcome yep. through, through counselling and things. But then once again, you think that you're all better. Yep. You, know, you do a few sessions, I'm all better now, then you leave counselling and sure, that will do you for a few months and then you get low, low, low or in my case, something triggers it. And yep. for me, my biggest trigger was um, upsetting or in my mind, upsetting my partner because I thought that if I did anything wrong in her mind or her eyes, that she was going to leave. Complete catastrophizing, not even close to being the thing. She'd been with me for five years at this point, you know, like stuck around through that much, but you just don't see that. Yeah. It wasn't rational. Yep. Not at all. And, And that's so much about this. And I guess we'll talk about more later when it comes to responding and stuff to people that you have to remember you're dealing with someone with an irrational, you know, um, I, mm. I can say a rational mind and it's incorrectly wired. Yes. It's only incorrectly wired because of, um, you know, that's been your, your state for what has been for me up to that point, you know, 30 years. Yeah. Expecting changes from going for counselling for a couple of months and not really doing any of the after work and that you're going to be better is ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, but I, you don't see that at the time. So then, yeah, it was up and down until my last point in 2018. And I know that my partner and I, I had a fight. She was pregnant with our daughter at the time. Um, what it was about, I can't even remember. Um, I assume it was something about my, my failing mental health. Um, and she left the house. Now I'm not sure why. Probably because we had a fight. Uh, no more than that. And that's when I, I stepped in the kitchen, took the kitchen knife, and put it to my wrist. 
um, I pressed it into my wrist and was ready to slice downwards. I'd, I'd been thinking about it for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I was happy that um, that's where I was going to be. Uh, in my mind, my unborn daughter and wife were better off without me um, and that I um, no longer needed to be around for this. Um, and and by this, I mean life. Um, and I don't yeah. know what stopped me. I, I really don't. To this day, I can't tell you whether divine intervention, maybe I, I just, you know, my mind just wasn't ready for it, even though I thought I was. Um, that I, you know, I had a, a slight scar on the, on the inside of my left wrist for quite a long time from it. Um, but, I, you know, from how hard I pressed, but I dropped the knife um, and then was able to, you know, pull myself into our spare bedroom. And I, I may have been sitting there for hours. It may have been minutes um, until I eventually, you know, realized that I needed to, to make a change. Um, yeah, I, called, wow. I called a friend of mine that had actually had an attempt on her life as well. Um, and I just cried with her on the phone for, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really interesting that you say that something just stopped you and, and I've always been interested in how people think that no one cares about them when, you know, you've got your, I understand you had a a wife that, you know, and you had a fight with her or whatever, but yeah, I, I have always been interested in how people think that no one cares about me and, you know, yeah. can you just speak a little bit into that? Absolutely. Me, and, and it's, I'm it's interested it's, and I know um, other people that have never been through depression would appreciate, you know, that insight as well. For sure. It's, it's not something that is, uh, oh, my God, that person hates me in this moment. Yep. You have, it's something that is built over time. And mm. for me, the build to that moment of standing that, in that kitchen with that knife was probably about, oh, I'd probably say six to eight weeks of declining mental health, right. me hiding it from everyone. And it's all the little interactions you have along the way that then your mind turns to, oh, my God, that person hates you. Oh, yeah. my God, that, you know, that person only likes it, they didn't call you back. Or, or, or whatever your mind is justifying and turning into a negative throughout those time frames is that, or throughout that time then leads you to that final decision. Mm-hmm. Very rarely, and don't get me wrong, there are people out there with severe depression, anxiety, and, and, you know, obviously severe suicidal thoughts that just don't want to be on this world. Mm -hmm. But that's not the majority. The majority I find and people I've spoken to who have depression and have had attempts like me, um, it's been a decline into, you know, rapidly declining mental health to get to the point of I, all these people in the last eight, six to eight weeks have, I've had poor interactions with, I have let them down in some way or in my mind, I believe I've let them down Mm. and here and now I no longer want to be around because I'm sick of letting all these people down. Right. So it's like this, you get this story in your head that you've let someone down, low self-esteem, and then you just keep reinforcing that story and making it real with all your other interactions that come up. That's exactly right. And, And it might be something Oh, okay. So a really good example is us trying to get this done. Yep. In the last in the last week or so. Now, if this had been me, you know, two years ago, every time that we had an interaction where I had to move it or you had to move it, yep. it my depressed as I as I say, my depressive mindset and how I was wired, instead of going through the normal thought process that I have now of, oh, that's okay, she's busy. Oh, that's okay, I'm busy. You know, we're, we're gonna work this out. Mm-hmm. It's oh, I've moved it instead of just going through the normal thought, then you're almost like taking a fork in the road of, oh, you've, you've cancelled this or rebooked it. Oh, uh, Tash isn't going to like you now. I'm not going to be happy with this. Mm. And then in this negative feedback loop of you've let her down, you've let her down, she doesn't like you, let her down. Oh, you've let this other person down. Oh, now, you know, I, I did a post recently on my Instagram on, you know, I actually used to get upset and really hate myself for like forgetting things like not taking the rubbish out. Mm. So I have this negative feedback loop of, you know, um, moving a, an appointment with yourself or anyone else, then all of a sudden Steph will come home and say, you forgot to take the rubbish out. Then you throw that in that loop as well. Then yeah. all of a sudden two thoughts in there of letting people down. And it's like a mouse running on a wheel. You know, you're just there and then something else gets tossed in there from work. And then it, all these ideas, these things just keep piling up, piling up until eventually you're like, I'm no good to anyone anymore. Yes. Yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so interesting. And so do you know now, like, 
would you say that for a long time you've always had these feelings that you weren't good enough or like do you know or have you traced back to where you feel like it might have started or how far back you may have had these feelings of yeah. low self-esteem? Like, does Absolutely. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, thank God, you know, I've, like so many people, I've had a run of counsellors and therapists. The yep. last one I had was absolutely amazing. And, yep. you know, and this is something if, if people are listening to this or know someone that is in therapy and they say it's not working, odds are you're just not connecting with that person. Mm. And it does take some time. And that's what the hardest part is for someone that is depressed. You know, you've already taken the first big leap of going to counselling or seeing a therapist or psychologist and then you're not gelling. So then to put yourself out there again to find another one, it's so difficult. But I'm yeah. telling you, it's worth it. But, mm. um, yeah, so we did some tracing back. And one of my biggest triggers for me was I was a shocking people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people see that and go, oh, it's not, well, that's fine. And it's probably one of the biggest things people let others get away with, right? Because they're just being a nice person. Yeah. You know, or that's how they see it. But what they're not seeing is on the on my side, it's the the constant book double booking of appointments, it's the constant counseling on people, which then puts you into that negative feedback loop as mm-hmm. I spoke of. It's the constant overstretching yourself. It's the constant anxiety from, oh, my God, I've booked two things on the same day, but I don't want to let one of them down. Yeah. So you don't and eventually get let down anyway. And then you get put in that feedback loop again. So yeah. I was able to track back with my counsellor all the way back. I mean, for me, it went all the way back to primary school from, uh, you know, I was um, always a, a, a happy-go-lucky child um, and I was always reinforced and always you know, it's that old stigma of you can do it, you, you know, you'll be able to do what you want um, and, and always praised for everything I did. So being praised on positive and then not a lot of, I'm not going to say discipline in my house because I definitely had discipline, but it was far more praise for doing things and, you know, I guess um, keeping people happy. It's a really good way of yeah, putting it. Yep. So keeping people happy and always, oh, it's okay, you know, just keep them happy, keep them happy. Then I went into hospitality where it's all about keeping them happy, keeping them oh, happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so personally through my own childhood and everything, and don't get me wrong, I had great parents, mm-hmm. you know, not kidding anyone or anything like that. Oh, but your mum's amazing, just, yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it was just this loop of, you know, keep everyone happy, keep everyone happy all the time and they'll like you. Yeah. You know, not realising that, hey, people still like you if you say no every now and again. Yeah. People still like you if you're just honest with them and say you can't do this, that, which is something I really try and instill in my kids. But it, it's something that was obviously with the way I, once again, at such a young age, having that wired through, all of a sudden it became I became an adult that was a terrible people pleaser. Yeah. So one of my first things I actually had to do was learn to say no to people. Mm-hmm. So at work, you know, I would start going, oh, let me call you back. Let me get back to you. Let me, yep. you know, let me speak to my wife, let me, whatever it is. And just, you know, breaking, as I said before, that, that negative cycle, that negative thought pattern of if you let this person down, you know, they're going to hate you for life. But yeah. just being able to say, let me look into it. Like, give, gave me that time to say no if I needed to. Yeah. Or, you know, go through that. So then through that and then coming to later life, obviously being that people pleaser then led, to um, my anxiety and depression, my mm. anxiety and depression as well that she deals with. And there is a certain amount that is hereditary these days they are finding out. So um, unfortunately, I you know, had that already predisposition mm-hmm. and then in that as well, obviously the people pleasing. So for me, it went all the way back. I yeah. know that other people, um, they'll find that maybe it was situational, um, something happened and you know, plugged them down. Mm. People I know, um, that I've spoken to and opened up to me, do track it back to their you know, childhood or genetics. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think people pleasing is a big thing for most people, to yep. be honest. And I think it's kind of generational too, like, you know, the the age group of our parents and their culture around you know, pleasing people around you and what you look like to that, you know, presenting yourself a certain way. I think it just comes with possibly a cultural thing as well. I've thought about this many times. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah. look, 
<laughs> when we lived in Dubai. No one was a people pleaser in Dubai, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, yep. So, yeah, and I think, you know, everyone has their, you know, their, their, I guess, you know, their origin story from there. And then for me, as I sort of overcome the people-pleasing side of things, that's when the anxiety and depression really came through. And I noticed, you know, before I, I really buckled down and, and sorted myself out, you know, I was waking up anxious. I was going to bed anxious. Mm. You know, I wasn't taking my meds because I thought I didn't need to, you yeah. know, who needs meds, things like that. Um and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about more of this. And more than anything, it just came through as I started looking at myself and going, what the hell is going on? Mm. You know, why am I feeling this way? What is going on? Um, and, you know, you want to become more investigative and more looking into your own self that I was able to go, okay, this is where I'm at and that's okay and this is what yeah. we're going to do to get over it. Yeah, awesome. I think it's, you know, how much better do you feel for like set, setting your own boundaries and saying no to people now, like in your life? Uh, it, it's absolutely life-changing. So freeing, and, isn't it? Yeah, and I actually, you know, I've had more people reach out around the people-pleasing things and anxiety and depression who go, I think I've got the same issue. And yep. I think 99.9% .9 of people have the same issue in some way, shape or form, yep. except mine was so severe and then if I let someone down, that would then trigger my anxiety. Yeah. My anxiety would then trigger my depression and then that yeah. would go through that way. So that was just my loop. Yeah. But so many people have the issue. And so many people, you see them. You know, I speak to friends. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm doing 14 things over a weekend. I'm like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Relax a little. And yeah. they're like, oh, I can't say no to them. They do this. They yes. do that. Like, about you. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. such a, I think, people need to have the awareness that they are people pleasing and then they can change it. But until, you know, I did it for so long and it's just in the last, you know, probably eight years, really I've, I've learned how to say no and honor my own boundaries, but I, I didn't know that I was people pleasing so much before that. So I think the awareness is huge. Um, have you read no more Mr. Nice Guy? No, I, oh, uh... No, I don't think so, no. Yeah, that's a it's a good book uh, about people pleasing. So if I'm writing it now, writing it down now. Yeah, so that's really good. But um I wanted to touch on mm. anxiety. So yeah. how um how would you say you have an anxiety or panic attack? Like yeah. what's what's the best way that you know how to manage that now? Yeah, absolutely. So um I have to be upfront straight away and say that I, I don't take meds for it. Um yep. I used to, um, but they zoned me out a bit too much. Yeah. Um I was I guess when I first started, you know, really and I love how you put it then actually. I love when I first started honoring myself and looking at myself and yes. holding myself accountable. Um, I thought medication's the way to go, this is what to do. But then um I find GPs and I say <laughs> my wife being one, as you know, yeah. is tough, but <laughs> are so easy to throw out the meds for it. Yeah. That, you know, I then I'd zone me out a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't feel well, I wouldn't feel myself, um, and then I would find that I'd actually want to stay inside more, which would then feed my own depression. So yes. I chose not to. However, um, I know some people do. So if they if that's you know that's up to them. Um, me personally, it's if I feel my anxiety coming on, first thing I do is tell look at myself. Why am I anxious? Mm. What is what has triggered this? And I'm okay, I'm you know, I guess um accountable enough now to look at things and if I go mm -hmm. oh there's something coming up that I'm actually nervous about yep. they are nerves and butterflies not anxiety which see which are you know almost parallel you know they're so similar to each other then I go okay well that's it if it is an out of the blue anxiety attack first thing I do is go to my wife hey yep. I, I'm not feeling so good I'm going to take a bit of time in the office or in the bedroom and I, I, in the last two years, I've actually started meditating yep. more um, and doing a lot of like circular breathing and things like that. Yeah, awesome. I, will go, I will go and put myself in a quiet space. I'll put the lights down. Sometimes I'll put music on. Sometimes I don't want to. Um, and then I will just look into me and go, where is that anxiety? Where is it isolated? And what can I do about it now? Um, I've had this happen awesome. while I was on the road as an account manager. I was actually driving my car. Um, I pulled over five minutes on the side of the road and I was okay. So good. Yeah. Sometimes I look at it and go, Hey, by the way, you know, my own, my own brain says to me, goes, you've got this for the day. Mm. You go, Hey, I've got some anxiety. 
and that's okay. Yes. But it's not going to stop me, do, you know, finishing my work day, going home and being a good dad. I'm going to be honest with my wife and say, hey, if I'm a little off, this is why. Yeah. And then I'll do things that outside it. Like, you know, if I go and have a good workout, is it just some, you know, am I just wound up a little too tight at the moment? Have yeah. I not gone for a good walk? Have I not cleared my head? You know, yeah. Ticking all these boxes. And sometimes I said, sometimes it's a, hey, you know, you, you've got this for the day because guess what? This is, you know, this is your brain speaking. You have that. Mm. I, I realize if that's okay, it's not going to stop me doing my day. Yes. And do you find that in the past, if you have, resisted it it gets worse like oh, how does... so much worse yeah, yeah so it's I... like I wondered if you know like you're saying it sounds like you you've worked through a lot of acceptance of I've got the anxiety it's okay where do I need to look it's like you're just taking it each step you know through it working through it instead of just going oh my god I, like I just need to get rid of this feeling yeah look I used to throw drugs and alcohol at it Yep. Um, and, and, you know, I know many, many people do that. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, finishing work and knocking off a bottle of wine. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I used to, I used to smoke. So, you know, having a cigarette, things like that. And they give you a feeling, you know, the alcohol, the cigarettes, things like that would, you know, give you a, a mm-hmm. feeling of relief in that moment because yep. that's sort of your happy place at that point, I guess, you yep. know, as you that. But it's temporary and you're literally just feeding an addiction to another addiction. Yes. You know, it did take me a while to see that. Um, So now it's all about, as I said, you know, for me it's a big thing of accountability and and I'm going to use what you've said there a lot now of honouring my own self and going, hey, you know, you're accountable for this and you've, you've been down this road before and that's okay. It's so good because I feel like, and correct me if this is off, but I feel like that would... I don't know if this is a word, but it would decatastrophize the situation. Yep. Yeah. So, no, that's so awesome. It sounds like you've got a really good process going on there. And I love yeah. that you mentioned breathing too. Yeah. So, that's a big one for me. Um, often, a, a few good breaths, I find three, um, you know, just really long breaths, eyes closed. And during that time, as well, I look into me and go, where is this anxiety situated? What is it? Why is it there? Um, yep. And sometimes it can take 10 seconds. And you're yep. like, oh, because I'm on the way okay. to a meeting or, yep. or, you know, we've got a massive weekend coming up or something. You're like, oh, that's all it is. Okay. And on you go. Other times it's, um, you know, I've had it before. I've, I've missed my meds. You know, yep. I had one before bed, as you know, with a couple of kids, sometimes you get busy and mm-hmm. you just pass. Mm. You know, it might happen two or three days and you're like, why do I have this angst? Yep. And then you, know, you have a look inside and go, oh, I haven't had my medication the last few nights. That's why, and that's when I. That's when it's okay. Well, this is going to be with me for the day until mm. I get home. You know, have a meditate, take my med, and then go to bed. And the next day will be okay. So good. Just quickly as well on meditation because yep. uh, that's something that I um, use in my sessions as well. Yep. For someone that struggles with depression, anxiety, I know I feel like a lot of people find it really difficult to close their eyes or to be with themselves what would you suggest as a meditation tool to start with um that's maybe helped you yeah so i would recommend um any of the guided apps yep um you know they're calm i, I currently use balance yeah um inside all those look and, and you don't need to pay for one i mean i pay for it now purely because i do it every day yep. um you know if you see benefit definitely get one of the good ones because they have you know they're constantly uploading new meditations but for me it started with doing at one minute yep one minute sit down close your eyes don't have to close your eyes sit somewhere nice sit yes. i mean if you're happy looking Nature. at the wall look mm-hmm. at the wall yep. you know but if but if you're out at, sit in your backyard anywhere that, that's just quiet for you you can have that 60 seconds mm-hmm. to focus on a point in front of you if because a lot of people do struggle with closing their eyes and just making sure you relax and it's just a time for me to check in with me yeah you know, and just reset uh, yeah, how, how am I going? Am, am I depressed? And that's okay if I am, but take that time. And then with the apps, you know, you go from one minute to three minutes to five minutes. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're sitting down for 20 minutes at night or, or when you're finding that time. Yeah. Um, but the really important thing for me is not to miss it. So I might do 20 minutes one day, but then life's really busy and I do three minutes the next. Mm-hmm. But it's just having that consistency and ensuring that I am doing that still. So good. And going back to when you're talking about medication, yeah. I think, you know, 
I all I'm a big believer in everything has its place, and mm-hmm. if you feel like you need the medication initially, you know to get over it. But um, I agree with you where you know the pharmaceutical industry or the doctors even will just throw medication at people. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it does have its place absolutely. But I love talking about these things as well because there are other solutions and I think it can all work together. Um, so yeah, that's that's another big part of why I'm going into depth with you today because I think, you know, sharing I feel like a you know, there is getting more awareness around mental health, um, but I feel like the solutions are not as much spoken about apart from medication, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing that I speak about and I spoke about on my Instagram the other day is that it's, it's, you've got to think of your life, particularly someone that has depression, anxiety or mental health issues. You know, that look, at their, look at your life as like a, a sort of, I guess a, a wheel or a graph and you've got to make sure you've got all these things right. You know, are you having the right amount of social interaction? Are you giving enough time at home? Are you yep. still at work? Are you being a productive human in general? But yep. also behind that, it's are you taking your meds if, if that's what you need? Mm-hmm. Are you ensuring you're checking in with yourself? Are you being honest and accountable with yourself for your own issues and being okay with that? Yep. One of the biggest things I find, and I've gone through ten different meds until I found the one that's right for me, and yep. it's just part of what I need. It's part yep. of my process. I've tried it without. I'm a better person with it. And yep. You know what? I'm okay with that. Totally. I think, like I said, I I do believe it has its place, um, but I I think it's great that you found other ways to support yourself as well, because yes. I do know people that have really struggled a lot with just medication. Um, you know, and I think it does help, but using other methods like you've suggested today, I think is really important to talk about as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, thank you. So, okay, I'd love to, for you to talk about uh, signs. So how could we know possibly um, from your experience what signs someone will present if they are depressed because or have heavy anxiety because I know from experience, people around me that suffer with it, in the past I've been really shocked, you know, because they put on a very We're good... We're the world's best actors, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd love to hear from you what signs or how you can possibly get an inkling into someone needing help or someone, you know, to reach out to someone. Yeah, look, and as I just said, you know, we're the world's best actors and then often it's the happiest people that you see, you know, sort yeah. of happy because they're overcompensating. They're overcompensating for how they feel to put themselves out there further. Mm-hmm. But look, you, you got your standard ones of, you know, reclusing back, obviously becoming more introverted, not attending things. One of the biggest things for me was canceling things last minute. Because yes. my, in my mind, it was I'm committing to it, committing to it, committing to it. Oh, sorry, something came up. Yes. You know, this so- is actually something that I've struggled with being on the other end because I yep. haven't understood it yep. enough and-, and I've thought, Oh, this is so annoying, you know, that yeah. someone's just cancelled last minute, but I understand me, now it's a thing. Often for me it was you're going to go to this because, you know, whether it's a support a friend or it's a birthday or whatever it is, in your mind and you're like, oh, I'm going to go and, and I'm going to have a good time, that's what I'm going to do, and then the day comes and you feel rubbish and then mm. that depressive mindset takes over as it does unless you've got control on it and you cancel. Um, and especially if it's a bigger event where you're like, people won't know if I'm not there anyway. Yeah. You know, so you're sort of able to, you know, mm. like into the darkness. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I guess that we have now on, on social media um, is not posting on socials. If they were active on their socials and all of a sudden they're not for a couple of weeks or, or you know, some people it's a few days. You know, are you okay? Um, are they, you know, non-responsive to you? And some of the other things you should look at too is if they are responsive, what responses are they giving? You know, if it's someone like you and I chatting, where often if we are talking about something, we'll go back and forward for a while. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, if you send me something, you know, it's going to be a topic I'm going to be interested in, I'll write back, cool. Mm. You're like, oh, is, is everything okay? And a lot of people in today's day and age are so quick to go, well, eh, you know, I won't say if, if that person, they're not responding in, in their usual manner. Yep. But realistically, hey, there could be something deeper there. Yeah. Um, 
And then you've got your, your normal things as well, obviously, if you're around the person a lot, um, if they seem quite somber or, or, as I said, introverted before. Um, but, you know, in the world of social media, in a world where we've never been so connected before, if a person is generally quite connected and they're generally, you know, putting themselves out there quite a lot and they start dropping off, it's mm. signs in today's day and age that there could be something going on there. Yeah, okay. So um, say, for example, someone cancels last minute and there's a pattern there yeah is there something that someone can text them to say you know to diffuse it or to just say you know I don't know is there anything that you can say to support them in that moment yeah look I think the biggest thing to reach out to someone and say hey are you okay and 99.9% of the time they're gonna write back fine yes you know I'm busy I told you and don't be upset if they do become a bit snappy Yep. You're calling them out on what probably has been in their mind for 20, 30 years. Yep. You know, and you may be the first person to bring it up. So, you know, are you okay? The next step from there, if they find, yep, leave it for the moment. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, if you fear for them, they're going to hurt themselves. I mean, obviously, don't do yep. that. But then the biggest thing that I find personally is if someone texts me, do you want to catch up one-on-one? Mm, I'll okay. come, come to you. Put, it, put them in a space where they can't really say no. Yeah, because they, if you know they're saying no, like you know that every Friday night they're sitting at home or, or whatever it is. If that's their normal thing, then say, "Hey, I'll come over on Friday night, just me, um, and I'll bring dinner." Yep. You know, and, and then you're automatically putting in their court. If you if they say no to that, you know there's obviously something far worse going on than mm-hmm. what you thought in the first place. But the one-on-one interaction is super key, especially if it's someone that you you connect with or you've known for a very long time, because mm. that's your safe space. Yeah. I might be able to talk to this person. Hey, I might be able to bring this up. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's so insightful um, to hear that and to know, you know, to kind of run through. I've heard bits and pieces about what runs through people's minds, you know, during those times. But uh, so I loved that you mentioned before that just sending someone a message saying, uh, are you okay or I'm thinking Mm. of you or it just – you know, I couldn't what tell goes you through your head, even though you don't answer it, what goes through your head in that moment that you might see it flash up on your screen? Yeah. So I couldn't tell you the amount of times that I've been in really dark places and someone's texted me to say, Hey, mate, are you okay? Thinking of you, love you, mm. things like that. You're in that space already where you think everyone can hate you, you know, yes. or, or you're, you're, you're not worth, you're worthless to the world or, you know, even beyond that sometimes. And then to see that message of caring and love to come from someone is, you know, it, it's joyous to be, yep. to be completely honest. And it can be everything from, Hey, you okay. I love you to, Hey mate, what are you up to? Do you want to come out? Or, yep. Hey babe, you know, do you want to do this? It's that person thing of going, oh, my God, they want to see me. Oh yes. My God, worth something to that person. Yeah. So it's, as, yeah. As I said, there's, no, you're right. As I said, that there's a really, really, really high chance that they're probably not going to write back mm-hmm. just knowing that. And then if they don't write back, follow it up with, hey, are you okay? What are you up to during the week? It's been too long. Let, you know, things like that can make mm. a world of difference. And as I said, so many people in today's day and age are so quick to dismiss people. Oh, they're yep. being rude. Oh, they're not responding. Oh, you know, this. You, you never know what's going on with someone. That's right. Yeah, it's and like a lack of understanding and, and compassion in a way. Like I've learned from my experience yep. that I've been quick to judge and quick to write someone off in a way because I haven't understood or thought about how they might be feeling or dealing with something or if they're dealing with something, you know, like it's exactly what you said. We just don't know what's going on in that person's life. So, yeah. And don't, and don't believe what they're posting on Facebook or Instagram, you know. Everyone, oh, my God, they have such a great life. Like, yep. that's, that's what people put out there in public. I can put out great photos in public too. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's probably not what's going on behind closed doors. So just keep that in mind. If you do know someone that has depression or anxiety, next time you know, they, they cancel whatever, it, it may be a, you know, a, an early warning sign for you to you know, yes. get ahead of it. Thank you. And just, you know, be willing to understand from their perspective, I think it's really helped me understand um, this situation more because it is, it feels like if you're on the other end, like if you're someone that doesn't suffer or hasn't before and you're so wanting to help someone, sometimes it feels so 
impossible or like you're not even making a dent in helping that person because you're not getting much feedback. Yeah. And, so and that's, I know I, for me that's been a struggle because I just want to help someone so much and I'm like, I don't even know if what I'm doing is good or, you know, this or that. So it can be a bit of a head fuck on the other side too, you know. That's um, right. It's and, not, and I've learned it's not about me, you know. That's right. And that's the biggest thing I just wrote down here too is two things, as you said, you know, you are getting through. If that person's talking to you, you're getting through and you're doing the world of difference. Yeah. Um, second thing is don't be shocked or catastrophize anything they tell you. You know, yep. if that person opens up and says, hey, I'm concerned taking my own life, obviously that's going to be a shock to you. But don't then go, oh, my God, when did you get your hospital? Or, oh, my God, you know, odds on that that person is probably just having those thoughts because they've catastrophized all these things, as I've said, you know, in the last few months or the last week, whatever it is, and they were at this point, sit down with them. Hey, why do you feel like that? What's mm. going on that's led you to this point? Mm. Now, obviously, if they're standing in the kitchen with a knife, something, yes, that might be a cause for an ambulance. But yeah. just say to them, okay, that's, that's you know, it's interesting. That's horrible. You know, you shouldn't feel that way. Tell me what's led you to feel this way. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, because it is challenging. I've had someone try to take their own life right in my company yeah. um, and that was very challenging because I had no idea what to do. It was like they were in this hole and there was a wall up and I just had no idea. I just had to call for extra help. But um, it's good to know how you process something when you're in that state so that kind of we understand um, and have a bit more understanding of the situation as well. And, and, and um, saying about suicide, you know, so many people often think that, oh, if I had have been there in that moment, I could have stopped them. And yes, yes. You, may have, you may have been able to physically stop them. However, that person has made that decision yep. possibly months ago. Yep. You know, that, that's what mm. it's just led them to, you know, that moment. And, and, you know, so many people, unfortunately, have been in the same room or around them at the time. But unfortunately, there's not a lot that people could do unless yep. you are that time to physically stop them. Yeah. Um, and then it's the counselling and therapy that starts from there. Yes. Okay, so what don't you say to someone? Like what's something that's helpful for people to stop saying to someone that's depressed or is there a couple of things that yeah, is I really mean, unhelpful? From the male side of things, you know, it has to be the, the harden up culture. Um, right. The harden up, you'll be fine, you'll be right, mate, get over it, come for mm. a beer, um, come party, things like that. Um, you know, if you do know, and, and this is such a difficult part, right? Because you mightn't even realize this person has issues. Yeah. So for you, for you then not to know to say, come out and join us for dinner and drinks. I mean, how would you ever know? So yeah. I guess that's why. But if you do know there's something there, mm-hmm. getting away from all those vices is number one. Um, steering away from all of that sort of negative connotation of she'll be right, you because you know what? In that person's mind, they're not going to be right. Mm. Tomorrow. not happen so that's the biggest thing yeah yeah for sure i think that's yeah helpful to know i'm sure that you know your audience particularly will be looking for you know positive affirmation is one of the biggest things you know and one of the things that i hated the most (laughs) beyond anything was people turning around and going i know how you feel do you Mm. how i feel no you don't so about you know but you know, there's nothing wrong with empathy, but make sure you're not falling into that trap of, um, hey, I know what you're going through, unless you have been there, of course. Exactly, yeah. Tell me more. Tell me what you're going through. How do you feel? You know, how mm. can I help? How can I be there for you? And, and you know, it may mean staying with the person the night. It may mean taking to the hospital or, or whatever it is. But, you know, really try and, and do your best to steer away from that negative language, steer away from any sort of vice. Um, but also be more, I guess, understanding rather than, uh, you know, trying to fix it. Yeah, willing to listen, you know, to what they're going through because I think it's a, a lot of processing of emotions, right, and thoughts. Massive, so, yeah. yeah, just being willing to listen. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. So how – I know you've mentioned therapy. That's been really helpful for you and other things. Like how did you start to overcome it or what was the um, – I know you said that, you know, there was a catalyst for you going into therapy, but 
um, and you dropped in and out of that. But what mm. was the catalyst to sticking to that and to sticking um, to daily commitment to you? Kids. Um, I was at that point where, um, unfortunately, my wife and I were very rocky because of my own mental health. Um, I had had a really bad sort of six months or so. Um, and I was at the point where, you know, we were looking at separation and things. So while it's obviously not ideal for most people or for anyone, um, it does a lot of people do only find, um, I guess, through breakdowns, they have breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of where I was. Um, that happens to a lot of people. But I got to sort of my lowest low and turned around and went, you know what, not only do I not want to lose my wife and kids, I also don't want my son and daughter growing up in a world where they can't talk about it because, you know what, odds on, one of them is probably going to have depression from me. So I want to be able to raise that, raise that awareness. And when I went back into therapy, thank God, what was on my final time uh, last year, uh, year before, um, I went in with an open head and an open heart because I want, I was accepting of what was being told to me and I was accountable for what I would needed to do outside of that room. Mm. I was able to do things like, and as you said before, I know you touched on it and said you've been, you, you, you're researching or want to understand depression. That was something that was huge for me. I never did mm. it before. I never looked into it of, you know, what is it and how does it work? Mm. Um, you know, I, I got audible because I, I love reading, but just sometimes I don't have the time. So, of you know, downloaded <laughs> a bunch of books on depression and anxiety and just, you know, discovered more about, you know, how your brain's wired, how you can change your brain wiring from different ne- neurological pathways mm. from, essentially thinking differently um but that was you know a lot of training and and, um a lot of honesty um a lot of personal accountability um but yeah all in all it's as i said it's you have such a delicate balance in your life and part of it is therapy part of it is for me it's exercise i I love be outside and doing exercise because it burns off that anxious that anxious energy it puts me in a good mood as you know endorphins and, and everything else released um it's spending time with my wife and kids it's everything that comes together to complete my full life yes i love that so you've like just done a re- a life readjustment and you know looked at every aspect and just seen where you could you know where you're possibly falling short or not honoring your own values um, in a way, but yeah, I love that you mentioned that. And, you know, I feel like you can correct me and especially from the male perspective, but I feel like the harden up culture is starting to fall away a bit. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Even in my own journey in the last sort of five years, um, when I first went to therapy with many, many years ago, in like 2014, 2015, I told my, one of my housemates at the time, um, and he said, I don't care. Uh, I don't care about your your sort of issues. Your, I'm sorry, your, your pussy was essentially the word he used. Yeah. Um, and that really put me back uh, a lot. If I think if I told, I know, I've told every one of my friends who, who all know now, um, you know, that, that whole stigma is dying away. Um, yes. There is still the underlying um, culture of it, but I think yeah. more of it now is being still passed down generationally rather mm-hmm. than, the culture of existence of people, people particularly our age and things now. So as long as we can start speaking to our kids and et cetera to, to move that away, um, I think we'll see that culture almost completely gone shortly. Totally. And something I do with my boys too is, you know, I remember growing up and it's like you hurt yourself or something happens and you're like, oh, you'll be right, like it's fine, you know, just kind of dismissing the emotion. But, you know, you can kind of tell when your kids are upset or when they're just putting it on or whatever, sometimes they're tired, but still saying, oh, like, you know, just exploring that emotion with them um, so they feel like it's okay or it's not shameful to cry or, um, you know, just because they're a boy doesn't mean to say they can't cry or have those feelings. So, yeah, I hope that's going to help them in the future. Yeah, um, and, and don't get me wrong. I think there has to be a certain amount of when it physical, you know, things like harden up, like with oh, my daughter, she falls over and skins her knee. I'm like, well, we get back up again and we keep going. Absolutely, yeah. It, it is also still, in, you know, um, so important for you know to have those, uh, I guess, mental check ins to say, you know, how are you feeling? Are you okay with that? Because they said if there is obviously further pain to it, then yeah, that does need to be looked at. Yep. Yep. For sure. So what would you like 
people to know about depression and anxiety, um, sharing awareness around this and, you know, moving forward with uh, there's, there's a lot of awareness around about it now, but I think it still needs to go a long way further. So what would you yeah, like look, to get I, out there? Around I, think if, I think if you're a sufferer or you have or you know someone, the biggest thing is that it's never too late to, to yeah. turn it around. Um, there is no... You know, I don't care if you're 50 or 100 or 10. You know, there there is time left for you to be able to live a fuller life. Um, you also don't realize how short you are falling with life when you are constantly at the mercy of depression, anxiety. You think that this is as good as it gets when it is not. There mm-hmm. is so much more to it, but I would be lying and I would be remiss if I didn't say it is hard. You know, to to rewire your brain, to second guess every decision you're making, every thought you're having for a certain amount of time until you can rewire those pathways is a pain in the bum. Yeah. But it is so worth it. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing too is you know verbal verbal appreciation and verbal um, you know awareness of it of just bring it with your mates. You know, talk yep. to people. Hey, you know, have you ever suffered from this? Hey, if you ever, you know, do you know you can talk to me about anything? Yeah. You know, just making people aware of it. So if they do have a tough time, like, oh, you know, I'm going to call. I'm going to give Tasha a call. I'm going to send a message. I'm yep. going to, you know, do it because they've said to me numerous times they love me and that, you know, they can, I can talk to them about anything. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you never know. You might be, you know, getting ahead of something more severe. Um, you yeah. know, and then if we speak more around, you know, people who are specific, specifically suffering or if you know someone that's suffering, um, you know, probably the biggest thing is like myself for so long is unfortunately unless that person is ready to get that help and be better and move beyond what their current condition is, as I used to say, I'm more than the sum of my mental health conditions. Mm. Um, if they're ready to be more than that until that time, unfortunately there's probably not much you can do for them. Yeah, that's such an important thing to mention because like you said before earlier, if people are going to choose to do that, like that's their choice and you can't take that on as a responsibility, no matter how close you are to them, that's like right. that's their choice. Um, but, you know, there's all these ways that we can try and prevent it or just be there for that person. But um, I imagine there's a lot of shame around admitting that you have mental health or depression and anxiety as well. Massively, yeah, mm. because you think there's something wrong with you. You think yeah. you're flawed against the rest of the world. But mm. one of the biggest things I did was, you know, through, um, I guess, I can say overcoming my people-pleasing. I'll never say overcoming my depression and anxiety because that's yep. how, how I am. Overcoming my people-pleasing was realising that I don't really give up. I don't care anymore about what people think. Yep. So, therefore, when you can release that burden of, you know, caring so much others think of you, then all of a sudden – you can be so much freer in what you say to people or it's what I'm particularly around me being able to be open and honest about my depression and anxiety. Cause I'm like, you know what, if you don't like me because I'm open about this, you're probably not my friend anyway. Do you know what? That is so huge. And it's just not only, you know, it's everybody. Like when you can get past that thought of who's going to, you know, what are people going to think of me doing this or doing that or saying this or saying that it's like so freeing, you know? Uh, so it's really important for people to kind of just do what they're going to do. Cause people are going to say what they want to say anyway, or think what they want to think. And that's really the more I've learned. It's like, not really any of your business to know yeah. what other people are thinking. You just well, got to do That's you, right. Hey? And, and one of my counsellor pointed out to me once, she said that, Jean, you only have control over two things in this world, and that's yeah. your thoughts and your actions. Exactly. If you can control those, you can control everything else around you. But as she said, because if you have a bad interaction, it's okay to recognise that. It's okay yep. to go, oh, I upset that person. Maybe there's an apology needed. Or maybe there's an apology coming to you that's needed. But that's okay. Yep. We go through life having these every day. That's yeah. fine. You know, it shouldn't be the catalyst or, or a trigger point for you to spiral. Yeah, totally. And I applaud you so much for all the work. I can tell that you've done a lot of healing um, just by what you're saying and how you're dealing with it. And I really applaud you for stepping up and just being brave enough to face everything because obviously I'm in the 
in the coaching business and there's lots of people that overcome and, and want to work on themselves and it's a very tough journey. Like I know even from my working through my triggers and my traumas and limiting beliefs and all that stuff, it's hard to look at yourself and be really honest with yourself um, so I really applaud you for working through all of that as well. And yeah, um, one thing I would like to you to shed light on quickly yep. as well is that so some people, for example, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, they think that I've always been this positive person or I never have anything really that bad to work through. But like we were saying before, you don't know what you don't know and you don't ever know everything yep. about someone. Um, but coming from your end, I'd love you to share with people that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because, you know, someone possibly looking at my content thinking that I'll never get to where she's been because she's never gone through depression. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd love for you to share. Oh, for anyone that, that thinks that about is... you, they're wrong. I knew before you were doing this, you're a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> She's worked so far, guys. Don't worry. She used to be terrible. Oh, it was the no, no. <laughs> um, But you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, it's, absolutely. More, it's relatable to people when they can hear from you or someone that suffered with depression that yeah. there is light at the end of the tunnel there, and there, it's not just like a, a pot at the end of a rainbow. You know what no, I mean? there is massively light in the tunnel. There is, you know, for I don't want to sound too... Um, uh, I guess to but you know there is happiness at the end of it. There is a stable life. There is a stable emotion. Um, there is a, a stable mindset, and you know yeah. that is ahead of you and completely reachable to if you're willing to do the work. Yes. Um, you know, and here's the thing: the work actually isn't that hard. You yep. do it all on you all, all day, every day. And it actually happens a lot faster than you think it will when you actually dedicate yourself to it. Yep. You know, when I threw myself into it, I had a mantra written in my diary that I read every morning. Every time I felt like I was going to do people pleasing or having an anxiety attack or a bad day, I would read my mantra. Yep. Um, then I would do things, you know, my mindfulness. And I, once you start putting all those things in place, you are shocked how quickly things come together. You're shocked how all of a sudden it's like this, you know, it's like going from black and white television to color. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, my God, is this how other people see the world? Wow. Yeah. As if I don't want to keep doing this. You know, once, yeah. and that was one thing for me, once I got a taste of what that was like, it was like, okay, well, I do this now and this now and I need to keep moving forward and need to keep moving this ball down the road. And um, for me, it was, as I said before, you know, the accountability side of things, but also realizing that it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. And sometimes you do feel like you are just kicking that can down the road a little further, but yeah. guess what? you're just that little bit further than you were before. And that's, you know, hundred percent work better than where you were before, you know, that's sort it. of a week ago. And one of the big things that I found is that often you'll read books and hear things. People say, Oh, but do this and you'll be better do that. And, you know, there was so many things that were just so hard for me to get my head around as someone that had depression that how the hell am I going to learn a new language or going to learn a new skill mm. or something? I can barely get out of bed. So for me, I just started going, okay, all I want to do is be 1% better in anything yes. each day. So whether that would be I'm going to go to the gym today or whether that would be I'm going to sit down and further my own business that day or mm. you know, spend instead of sitting on emails and watching TV, I'm going to spend an extra 10 minutes playing with my daughter. You yeah. know. And it's about having those little wins that then start changing that mindset. Hey, you are valuable. Hey, you yeah. do you know, contribute to your family and community. Hey, you know, and, and being able to put all those things in a row. And as I said, there is absolutely um, light in the tunnel. And if any of your, you know, any of your clients or anyone listening does want any more info or something, you know, please feel free to reach out through Tash or directly to me. And, and I'm by no means um, have any sort of medical background, but, I've been there, so yeah. um, I can at least tell you, you know, sort of what, what has worked for me. That's right. I think sometimes it just helps people to know that uh, you've been through it and you understand them on every level. Yeah. Um, so I'll put your, um, what's it called, Instagram thing in the show yeah, notes please. of yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with what you were saying before, like healing isn't a linear thing. It just keeps going. You know, you just keep getting better and better every day, don't yep. you? So it's, Absolutely. You know, yeah, it's it's constant. And when you start going into the world of 
personal development it never ends really you just kind of get better and better every day so but I really so want to congratulate you and applaud you for all the work that you do for yourself and how you show up every day to make sure that you you know combat this mental health and just be able to manage it effectively thank you so much no worries well, um, thank you so much. Is there one last thing that you think you'd like to share with the world, how we can be better at handling this or you feel like we've covered it already? I would probably just say particularly from a male point of view, um, you know, so many men struggle with not only identity problems but also, you know, whether they have, um, you know, depression, anxiety, and we are the best at hiding it. Um, you know, if you are in a relationship or you know someone that, you know, through COVID that they've had financial issues, um, you know, whether it be loss of job or unfortunately maybe a loss of a person or whatever it is, please just check in with that person. They're, yep. they're probably going to say no. They're probably going to steer you away, but don't give up, um, you know, that you could mean the world to that person. And as I say, you know, to people on Instagram, you could literally by, be saving someone's life by sending that text message. Yeah, so good. And, you know, with males as well, that there's nothing wrong with showing emotion. Like we're all friggin' human, you know. Yep. It's like we all have emotion for a reason and we have to let it out at times and we Absolutely. all have to process things. So not to be afraid of that. And I love that you mentioned that you, you know, have been through that and cried and laughed and done all the things. You Absolutely. Know, like so many normal. times. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much Excellent. for your time today. I really appreciate your time and your honesty. You there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks again. And, uh, yeah, have an awesome Saturday. And, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Talk soon, Tash. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.